I would like to um, talk on a subject. Uh, last week I spoke about faith and the importance to walk and learn to walk by faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a continual thing. And I have to continually remind myself on that one. This Today, I'd like to speak something that's um, it's a, a story in the, in the scriptures, but it also speaks very strongly to us, uh, I believe, about learning, um, which has already been prayed and mentioned about this morning, of our learning to walk with him out of our weaknesses. Um, it's an amazing thing that God's ways are often the opposite to the world's ways. And Paul spoke about that he um, uh, wanted to put forward his weaknesses rather than his strengths. And he had learned that what pleases the Father is that we come to the Father with our weaknesses. And he then transforms our weaknesses into his strengths. It's one of the principles of the kingdom of God. Uh, We walk by faith. But it's not by our strengths that he is glorified. And everything has to basically come from him. Um, And when the idea comes from him, the plan comes from him, everything that he does comes from him, he is glorified. The principal thing is about glorifying God. And one day we're all going to be doing that for eternity. Whether we like it or we don't. Some of us will. Others, it may be something else. Um, when one of the best kept secrets, uh, God is, his plan is amazing. And the more we walk with God and begin to understand something of just a minute part of who he is and his plan, the more it, it astounds us. But one of the amazing things about God's plan is that nobody understood it until after he'd gone. Nobody grasped his plan, and then they only just began to grasp something of it. But the disciples, quite amazingly, were blind right up till the final moments that Jesus went up, blinded to the fact of really who he was, why he'd come, and his strategy and plan. And they got a little glimpse of it right the way through, something of his power, something of his ways of moving. But to walk with Jesus was a walk of excitement, adventure, a passion, never knowing from one day to the next what was going to happen, to be stretched to your limits, to be brought into finding out that your weaknesses were actually things he could use, And the areas in you that thought were were, were sterile, he then turned it round and made it into something that glorified his name. It was a very exciting life. Sometimes they were crying out, we're going to die. And the next minute, they were worshipping him and saying, we don't understand, but we worship you. And it was a life of almost ups and downs emotionally until they... Uh, came to the point of actually starting to be used by him in a similar fashion. And that's the excitement of the Christian life. That's what it's meant to be. It's not meant to be a mundane thing where we just come along and, you know, 
uh, fit into something that, that never changes. Right. And one of the key moments for the disciples is when they were watching Jesus disappear up into the sky, a cloud covered Jesus from view. Imagine him just going up, how he went up, not quite sure. And then an angel has to come down and say to the lads, what are you looking at? Get on with it. You've got the baton, you've got the authority, you've got the power. Now he's trained you, get on with the job. And a huge part of their training was when they had to put it into action. And one of the dangerous things about church, and, 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 and we can be filled with information, but it's in the experience of learning and doing that we actually see God at work. We learn about faith. We learn about who he is, how faithful he is to us, how he can work through us and wants to touch and bless other people. And uh, that's just part of the training um, that he wants to bring us, each of us, into. Until we step out and actually do something, it will never mean much to us. I had that. I came to this church till the age of 17, and I had loads of information. But until I actually stepped out, then I actually experienced the power of God. I believe there's some folk here, and you've got an awful lot of information. But God says, step out and trust him. Step out and do something and he will, he is faithful. He will break in. But it will not happen until you step out. It's part of the conditions. I had to learn that. Sometimes I used to pray, Lord, why don't I see many people healed? And the answer back was, well, how many people have you laid hands on recently to pray for them, for healing? Okay, Lord, maybe one or two this year. Well, try laying on hands on a few more people and see what I will do. And sometimes there's a lot of it that comes back to us initiating and God breaks in as we step out and start to move with him. And that's a risky business. None of us like risk. But God calls us into the risky business of stepping out in him. Now, I want to read... Um, my, 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 my message this morning is really over four Gospels and it's the story I'm going to call it the kiss the kiss and the sword the kiss and the sword and it's the betrayal kiss of Judas and it's the sword of Peter and to get the full story we have to really read the four Gospels, which we're not going to do. I'm going to read one of them. And then I'm going to fill in a few bits to get the full story. Sometimes in the Gospels, we can read one or two of them. We get a pretty good idea of the story. But in this particular story, we have to read all four to get the full story. And it fills us in with all the bits. So I'm just going to pull out a few points just to speak to us this morning. So um, it's actually Luke... Tw um, I'll give you the four scriptures. It's Matthew 26, 47 to 56... Mark 14, 43 to 52, Luke 22, 47 to 53, and John 18, 
verses 1 to 12 for those who are perhaps looking on Zoom or it's being recorded. And we're going to read from um, the book of Luke, chapter 22, and I'm going to read from verse 47, just to give us an idea of the story. And then I will add in lots of other bits. While he was still speaking, a crowd came up, and the man who was called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. He approached Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus asked him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When Jesus' followers saw what was going to happen, they said, Lord, should we strike with our swords? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his right ear. But Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard and the elders who had come for him, am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. This is your hour when darkness reigns. Fascinating story. The sword and the kiss. Now the disciples had been trained up for the past three years and what Jesus had modelled to them was a relationship with the Father. Hearing the Father and only doing what the Father had either said, showed him, etc., etc. But the disciples from the book of Acts, we read, were still expecting Jesus, Acts 1, 6, they are still thinking that Jesus has come to deliver them but deliver them from Rome. And in Acts 1.6 it says, are you at this time going to restore Israel? Is the question posed. They're still in their mind thinking that Jesus is coming down on a donkey into Jerusalem to restore Israel as a great, mighty leader. And the way that Jesus comes in to be the king of kings is in nobody's mind. It was the best kept secret ever. None of them got it. Even the devil was foxed. Did not know how Jesus' plan was going to be worked out. And the disciples, until, until Jesus opened their minds, you know, he blew the Holy Spirit on them at one point. It says he opened their minds so that they could understand. And from the scriptures, when he walked along on the Emmaus Road, he spoke from the scriptures to open their minds so they could see and start to understand the amazing plan. Now, in this text here, it is one of the most dangerous moments that I can see in Jesus' life until he died. Why? Because in this text... It's an opportunity where everything could have gone wrong. 
Jesus knew, and he says in other texts that we read of this story, that I have come to do the Father's will. He says in John 11, shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? In the book, in the Matthew story, verse 56, but all this has taken place that the writings of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him. <laughs> what a bunch. <laughs> Jesus is saying, I've come and I've got to do what the Father is calling me to do. This is his plan, not only for my life, but to save the world. And we see that the disciples and Peter, the only way they could understand it was through violence. Their own strength. They wanted to do it the way they understood it. And Jesus has to say to them, no. Now, if what they had started had carried on, it could have been very dangerous. Because if somebody got a sword out and they got into a battle and Jesus lost his life other than through the cross, the whole plan went west from the Father. And Jesus recognised that. Jesus, where has he just come from? Jesus has just come from praying. Garden of Gethsemane, drops of blood. He's been in agony, praying to the Father. Father, is this your will? What are the disciples doing? Sleeping. What a motley bunch. They're not understanding. They're not in the battle. They're not seeing the spiritual realm that it was all about. So they've just got up from sleepiness and Jesus has been right in the Father's presence. Now there's a scripture that says in the John story, verse 4, Jesus knowing all that would happen. Very often Jesus knew because he'd been in the Father's presence. He got the Father's mind. Story of Lazarus, a little bit earlier just a few chapters before. The father spoke to Jesus about raising Lazarus and it says that Jesus said, this is for my father's glory. He knew what was going to happen. Being, he got into the father's presence. Jesus knew what was going to happen. So he wasn't baffled. He was composed. You never see Jesus getting in a fluster, out of control. What's going to happen next? Peace reigned in his heart. He knew the Father's will for the situation. And so it says that they came along, and uh, you see, yes, just to finish, if this had gone wrong, Jesus would have not died on the cross for us. So it was a critical moment, and the G Jesus has to break in to stop what could have gone wrong. And in actual fact, the zeal but the lack of understanding on the part of the disciples made it go wrong. We can have lots of zeal, but if we're doing things in our own strength, it can sometimes even hinder the Father's work and the importance of learning 
and waiting to be in the presence of the Spirit. What is the Spirit saying? What is God saying? They want to walk in His will. Sometimes it's waiting. Sometimes it's doing something. Sometimes it's not. Many ways the Father can guide us. Jesus knew what was going to happen. Just run through the story. As they... Um, as the band comes, it says that in John, because you have to try and put everything together to get the story um, and, and um, get it out. So we've already seen that this was the hour when darkness was to reign. Interesting. It's the only time we see that, that text. There was an hour when darkness reigned where they came and took Jesus. And the disciples are all at sea. They've got in their mind mighty Jesus coming to rule in power, all of which they have wrongly interpreted and wrongly understood, or they've got snippets of it. They've seen so many healings, deliverances, people's lives being set free. But this last bit, again, new adventure, they're out of their depth. God has got all so many things for us in our lives, and each one is a fresh experience. Lord, what do we do here? Lord, solution, help, Lord. That's the adventure with God. As the group come, there's a fascinating text here where we see the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the, the uh, story of John, Jesus asks the band as they arrive, who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I'm just going to go down. Who is it you want? Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. I am he, Jesus said. Judas was standing amongst them. When Jesus said, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Fascinating. Darkness and light coming together. Boop! <laughs> Jesus was gently saying, who's in charge here? So this gang arrive, Jesus and the disciples there, Jesus in peace, because he knows what's going to happen. He's heard from the Father. You've got the disciples, nervous, ready for a punch-up, swords on the ready. You've got the band of, of um, Jews, etc., come. And Jesus throws out the question, I am he, Jesus of Nazareth. And a lot of them fall on the floor. Power of the Holy Spirit. The power of God. Now the amazing thing is, they're all they're blind as bats. God's power is there. And they all get up and think, wow, well, I don't know what that was. Let's carry on. Folk can be touched by God sometimes and not realise it not see it. God can be knocking at a person's heart. The person doesn't see it, doesn't hear it. And coming to church. God's speaking. Miss it. Fascinating. And that's the same for me as well. A little bit later, Jesus says in this same story, do you not think I cannot call my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled? Well, it says that it must happen in this way. 
what we see and what we don't see. There was a myriad of angels around in the heavenly realms at that point. The most time that we see angels is at the birth of Jesus and around the death of Jesus and the resurrection. A lot of angelic coming and going. We don't know what in that realm that really means. But there was millions of angels looking on. Folk totally unaware. Jesus was aware. It's a realm we don't understand. What grace it is when we know the Lord Jesus Christ. We have his presence with us. And we are surrounded. The heavenly host look on. Just a thought. Just a thought. Then, after Jesus has addressed them and asked them, who is it you want? Um, Judas comes forth and kisses Jesus. That's the sign, the betrayal. His friend. The one that Jesus knew was there all along. And yet Jesus never condemned him. Judas, who a little earlier betrayed himself, and often our words betray our hearts. When Mary comes to pour all the perfume on Jesus' feet, and what is Judas's reaction? How much does that cost? What a waste! His heart is being revealed. Mary, with her hair, the glory of the woman, couldn't care less what the men looking on think. Abandonment, worship to her saviour. Couldn't care less what people think. I want to worship Jesus the King. She'd received a revelation. And so Judas, who comes and kisses Jesus and betrays the saviour. The disciples who are looking on don't know what to do. Jesus, should we pick up our swords and go for them? And then Peter, in his emotion and zeal, grabs the sword and goes for the bloke's head, misses by a whisker, and off comes Malchus's ear. Now, as the stone out of the sling of David went whack on Goliath's head. I believe that that sword missed his head by divine guidance. Peter, who loved Jesus, but he had not understood some of the principles of what was going on, he was doing it in his own strength. And it's the only way he understood. I'm sure we would have been the same. The Holy Spirit had not yet come in, in the real sense that he has today. And that sword was divinely guided only to take off an ear. Now let's let our imaginations run a little bit. Supposing the sword had not taken off the ear, but it had taken off the head. Off come the bloke's head and the head falls on the floor. 
Well, that's quite a miracle for Jesus to pick up the head and stick the head back on and say, be healed. That would be quite something. Even an ear was pretty, pretty good. It's one of the, the juiciest miracles we've got. With blood all over the floor. And uh, can you imagine it? The ear stuck on. How did it look afterwards? Was there, where did the blood go that had fallen on the floor? Lots of questions. Our minds could go a long way on that one. And if we think about it, if Peter had lopped the head off this brother or this person, I don't think it would have been a very good kickoff for Peter's future ministry. <laughs> I don't think it would have been a great start. Wouldn't have gone a long way. Jesus knew that. And Jesus trying to tell them, this is not the Father's will, boys. Thanks for the enthusiasm. Thanks for the effort and the emotion. I understand that you're all for me, hallelujah, but this is not the Father's will. It doesn't fit in. It's not how I want to do it. God wants to build his church. He wants to work through us in his way. Big lesson we have to learn, isn't it? It's a difficult one. When he comes into our lives, he wants to be, that his sovereign will be worked out in our hearts and lives. A walk, learning how he wants to use us and work through us. And he wants to do things in his way. Sometimes we grasp things, but he wants to do it in his way. And so as Jesus sees what's happening and thinks, oh, la, 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 la. A few more truths got to get into these hearts yet. And he comes down quite firmly to stop it. Enough of this. This has to stop. Because if it goes any further, it will stop what the fathers predecided. Stop it. Put your souls away. Picks up the ear and straight away heals the man. And everybody must have been rather aghast at that. Boy. Uh, we've been on the floor a few minutes. Now we've got up. Now this heel, ear's been healed. Well, okay, we'll stop. But they still carry on and, and carry Jesus away. In the final day, there may be a great manifestation of God's power and presence on the earth. But there will also be people who do not see it. It's from God whatsoever. As Christians, we see things that others will never see. Because without the Spirit of God in us, we cannot see it. We cannot understand it. And we are called to walk in God's way, doing God's work in his way. The more of the Holy Spirit we, we have, the more we can learn to move in his way. It will not look at all like the way the world does it. The world will never understand it. Because without the Holy Spirit's presence, you cannot understand it. You cannot understand it. The Father's will had to be done. So Peter was really, it's probably the, the moment he was the most saved by Jesus <laughs> for his future. Jesus intervened, protected Peter, healed the ear and then when they realise that the will of God 
in this situation is that Jesus be handed over to a bunch of a mob who were going to kill him. The disciples, they lost it and they all fled. They thought, well, what do we do? We can't use our swords. We can't intervene. And Jesus handed his life over into the hand of a mob. But he was handing his life over into the hands of the father. That was the father's will. And he trusted that the father would do everything that was right for his life. Sometimes we feel that we're in the hands of people who are against us, hate us. But when we know the Lord Jesus Christ, we put our lives in his overstretching hands. He is in charge. He is doing what he wants through us in our lives. And so they all fled. There's also another message there of John who loses his garments and runs off naked into the, into the darkness as well. And so we see that in this story, Jesus breaks in into a moment where the devil would love to have profited from this moment. He would love to have got them in the wrong spirit, moving in their own strength, in their own understanding, doing what was not the Father's will. That is a challenge for me. Father, I want to learn to walk in your power, in your timing, doing what you are doing, because that's what we're called to do, the life of the Spirit. Hallelujah.